Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Sewing Room podcast, recorded on the 2nd of February 2017 and brought to you by Bishy Barnababes Patterns and me, your host, Vicky Hibbins. I'm so glad to be finally recording another podcast for you and I'll go into a little bit more details in a moment about why I've been so long in not recording for you. But before I do that, I thought I just ought to mention that if you see me around on Facebook in any of the sewing groups or on the Bishy Barnababes Patterns Facebook group, I do go by the name Vicky Ward on there, Ward being my maiden name and there's a whole complicated story as to why I am not Vicky Hibbins on there, although I was Vicky Ward Hibbins for a while. So if you do see me, I am the same person as Vicky Ward on Facebook. Um, and obviously when I record this, I just give my normal name that I'm used to going by in real life, which is Vicky Hibbins. So just in case you see me around, I am the same person. So say hello and look forward to meeting you in Facebook world as well. So as I mentioned, um, it's been a while since I last recorded. I really do wish and aim that I could record a podcast every fortnight, every two weeks. But it just seems like life gets in the way and stops me being able to do what I really aim and set out to do. This time it's been about five, six weeks, I think, since the last recording that I did just before Christmas. So have a look back at episode 14 if you've missed that one. Um, And finally, at last, I'm able to sit down and record episode 15. So a few of the things that held me up as to why I haven't recorded sooner. I had a great Christmas and I hope that you also had a lovely Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate um, in your part of the world and enjoyed that time with family and friends if you get to take time off for Christmas or whatever holiday it is you're celebrating. We had a lovely Christmas day. Bryony is now of an age when she really does get Christmas. When she was little, she had no clue and woke up on Christmas morning and I think was very surprised about all these presents and all the unusual things happening. Last year, she was really starting to get excited. But this year, she really did know that Christmas is coming. We started at the beginning of December, starting to celebrate and get in the Christmas mood. And we have some kindness elves, Holly and Ivy, that come to us um, in the beginning of December and every day write a message to her in encouraging her to do kind things and leaving little gifts for her. They bring her advent calendar. She had a Playmobil one this year and she really started getting excited about Christmas coming. Amazingly, she still went to bed well on Christmas Eve, didn't have problems getting her to go to sleep and she slept through till her normal time in the morning, which is fantastic. So she was up about seven o'clock, I think, on Christmas Day and very excited to open her presents. We stayed the night at my parents and had a lovely evening on Christmas Eve with all the family playing games and having food and things that me and my sister had made and then had a lovely day on Christmas Day. A bit chaotic I have to say at times when everyone was opening their presents and my mum still does stockings for everyone so a lot of stockings got opened and a lot of presents got opened so it was a bit manic at times but all in all a really lovely day and then it went downhill. 
The next morning, I was awoken early in the morning, earlier than normal, because Bryony had thrown up and she had a really, really nasty stomach bug. I won't go into all the details here, as I'm sure you really don't need me to, and I'd rather not relive them if I don't have to. But basically, she was being sick for three days straight, couldn't hold anything down, not even water. We were making Dyrolite rehydration um, fluid, ice cubes to try and get it to suck and various things like that. And in the end, she had to get some special medicine from the doctors to try and calm her stomach down. She lost so much weight in that short amount of time. I didn't realise that you could lose that amount of weight and see all her bones poking out, her hip bones at the back. Oh, it was it was quite scary. And she is a child that normally never stops talking and she didn't speak hardly for three days. So we knew that she was really, really poorly. And of course, unfortunately, when she finally did um, stop being sick, it then took several days for her to get back some of her strength. She started eating quite a lot, but even so, it just took her a long, long time to get better to the point that she then started getting spots and a rash, got impetigo, had to go and get antibiotics. And it was a good couple of weeks before she was even beginning to get back to her normal normal self. And obviously, that takes a stress on the family. Going on at the same time as this, um, my uncle was diagnosed with very aggressive cancer in December and he actually passed away in January. So we had all of that going on with the family. I got a nasty virus, couldn't speak. I didn't even have a voice at his funeral. Um, luckily, I wasn't one of the people that needed to speak at the front. My husband did, but I didn't need to. I wasn't re- requested to. So it didn't matter that I couldn't actually speak at the funeral. Um, and that nasty virus kind of knocked me for six and had me in bed and just no energy for a couple of weeks. So all in all, lots of things going on that kind of conspired to stop me from recording as I would have liked to have done. Fortunately, now um, things are getting back to normal. Um, had some very interesting conversations with Bryony as an almost five-year-old um, about my uncle. She said some things to him at times, which only a four-year-old can come out with. Um, at the on the one of the last days when we went to see him, um, I think it was the day before he eventually died, and he was still at home. He didn't have to go into hospital, luckily, and he just died in his sleep, which was um, very thankful for all of us, and I'm sure for him as well. And she went up to him and she said, "When you die, um, you need to look after Bonnie, who is one of the cats um, that we lost a year or so ago, and she's white cat. And when you go up to heaven, you need to look out for Bonnie, and then you're going to feed her and look after her for us until we get there, but." you need to go to God and you need to give him some cake. So the perceptions and things that um, four-year-olds can think of and he just smiled and and I'm sure, although he wasn't able to talk much at that point, um, he appreciated her being there and all the kind of things that you think, oh my goodness, you're sticking your foot in it and oh my. Um, but, you know, four-year-olds just have a different way of looking at things than some of us who are much older and have I guess sometimes a more complicated view of life, should we say. I've also had problems with one of my teeth. 
I've had to see a very specialist dentist over here. Normally, I would see the National Health Insurance, um, National Health Service dentist, which um, is a lot cheaper than having to go private. But I needed to see a specialist dentist to have root treatment done because the NHS dentist had told me that the chances of the root treatment being any good because of the methods and tools they have available meant that it was likely to fail before too long, whereas the success rate was much higher with this specialist dentist. So I've been seeing her extortionate prices, I have to say, um, compared to what I would normally pay. And I've also had problems with that tooth, other teeth, been sleeping on an ice pack. Bryony managed to knock a chair on her toe at one point and broke her toe a couple of weeks ago. So between us, we were sharing ice packs and having to keep them frozen in the freezer and swapping them round. And I was sleeping with an ice pack and she had an ice pack on her toe at night. So all sorts of things been going on over here, as you can see. And I've just realised that I'm probably talking really fast today. I will try and slow myself down because I know for some of you it's more difficult to understand my accent when I am rambling on at 10 to the dozen, as they say. Um, But I need to go and pick Bryony up from Forest Schools in a little while. Um, I'll tell you more about that in a moment. And I think that what's happened is that I'm so aware that I have a limited time in which to record this podcast that without meaning to, I have sped up in the speed that I am talking. So I will try and slow myself down um, and I'll see how I get on. So other news on on the house front. I know many of you are interested to know what's been happening with the sale of our house. We have found a buyer for our house, which is very exciting. Unfortunately, having accepted an offer from the buyer, the people who were buying their flat, which enabled them to put in the offer on ours, has pulled out. So although we currently have a lovely couple who would like to buy our house, they now haven't sold their flat, so can't proceed in buying ours. It all gets very complicated in England. It's a lot more straightforward if you're in Scotland and when you put an offer in, it's binding, but that's not the case here. Not sure what it's like in other parts of the world. But at the moment, we haven't sold our house, even though we've got somebody that wants to buy it. In the meantime, we have found a house that we have fallen in love with. Um, It's got a really large garden or yard, I think is how it would be termed um, in the US, It does have a vegetable garden, which I think you would call a garden. Oh, it's so confusing the way that some of our words are the same word but mean different things. But it's got a fantastic space, lovely green, lots of trees, a summer house and a um, greenhouse. The kind of rooms that we really want, a fantastic room upstairs that I will be able to use as a playroom stroke schoolroom for Bryony. A slightly smaller craft room stroke sewing room that I think than what I'm used to but again um, being able to have that space for Bryony and I'll probably end up moving some of my things in there because I'll probably do some work and make things in there while she's doing her things but we would really really like this property we've put an offer in at the moment we are the highest and the other people under us haven't sold either but obviously, if they sell and the the people who have inherited the house as it's an estate sale, then if they are willing to take less because they can get it sooner than waiting for us who've put in a higher bid, we'll just have to wait and see. And then it'll be back to the drawing board and then looking again for a house that we would like to move into. 
As I mentioned earlier, Bryony has now started at Forest School. She started that in January. So she goes to a place every, at the moment, it's Tuesdays, Wednesday mornings and Thursdays. And then after Easter, it'll just be all day on a Tuesday when she does the home ed day there. But at the moment, she's able to do the preschool sessions there and have some funding from the government so I don't have to pay only for a couple of lunch times. And if you haven't come across forest schools before, it's something that many schools in the UK will offer forest school sessions, which is kind of like an hour or two um, outside, in amongst trees, in an open area, um, working with natural materials, um, building things, working collaboratively, but basically being outside. The forest school that Bryony goes to, the whole thing is outside. They have composting toilets, a yurt that they can go in if they need to do things like drawing or designing, things that um, trying to use paper outside at this time of year, things get a bit soggy and muddy. So I think it's the few times that she's been in. Otherwise, they're outside, come rain, come snow... Whatever the weather, they are out there and she adores it. There is a campfire that they sit round and have their, their lunch and snacks. There's all sorts of equipment, things to climb on made out of wood. She comes home with creations that she's hammered and nailed and sawn and all sorts of things like that. And she adores it. Has to wear full waterproof um, gear, warm clothes, hat, gloves, you name it, thick boots and stays outside all day, gets covered in mud, but absolutely adores it. I have to say it's one of my worst nightmares. I don't particularly like mud, but she loves it. So I'm really pleased that she is able to make use of that, even if it is a bit of a trek to get there compared to where she was going to Montessori. So a little bit of an update on what she's up to at the moment. And I've also discovered a new creative hobby. For Christmas, Bryony was given from Father Christmas a balloon modelling kit. And obviously she's a bit too young to do many of the models, though she can now blow up a balloon with the pump. I have to tie it for her and she's able to do some of the basic constructions and um, bending the balloon round and twisting it and things like that. But I've got really into making things. I made a penguin this morning. I might have to post that on the with the show notes and things so you can have a look at some of the things I've been getting up to. And I'm looking forward to my friend's birthday party for her son, where I'm going to be making them all some Star Wars things, a lightsaber for each of them. Unfortunately, although Bryony's got her birthday coming up in February in couple of weeks time and she's having a frozen party um my friend is coming with her children and she has a latex allergy so gets really stressed if there are any balloons around so I won't be able to make um frozen wands and other things for Bryony's party but I do get to make them for another party that I'm going to which is lots and lots of fun so I've realised that probably half this podcast so far has been taken up with me talking about catching up with all our latest news and things like that. So I guess I really ought to get on to talking about some sewing things. The product that I would like to talk about today are tape measures. This is one of the staples, the basic pieces of equipment that if someone is going to start sewing, they need to get themselves. 
I have to say, I don't remember buying many of mine. Um, I looked just now at how many I could count that I could see lying around. And most of them I have hanging on a hook on the back of my sewing room door. I just kind of loop it over there. And I managed to count eight hanging there. And I know I have another one in my handbag, which is actually my favourite one, which I do remember buying. And that is one that kind of rolls in on itself um, and it has a little button that you press in the middle after you've pulled it out. And it's a really cute cow and you pull its ear out and the um, tape measure is attached to, to its ear. It's not the best when you want to measure around something because the ear plastic part that's attached to the end of the tape measure can make it a bit more tricky. But it's really nice to have a tape measure handy in my handbag that's not going to get tangled in everything. So as I said, most of my tape measures, I have no idea where they came from. I did get one with each of my sewing machines, my sewing machine and my cover stitch that I bought last year. There is another podcast where I've talked about those machines and there is a video on the website showing me opening the boxes, which was very exciting. And I got these kits that came with it with scissors and everything that you would need to get started. And there were tape measures in there. But as I said, I don't remember buying my tape measures, but they must multiply or breed or something when they're hanging behind the craft room door, as I seem to have rather a lot of them. Over here, all the tape measures that we get have inches on one side and centimetres on the other, which can be very handy, particularly as well as if you want to convert between measurements, because if I was to look up 20 inches on it, I can turn it over and see straight away where the centimetres are and know how many centimetres 20 inches is and things like that without having to get out my calculator. And I think it is multiplied by 2.54, if I remember correctly, from when I'm doing my patterns. But... Um, that's just standard in this country, although probably in the US and possibly other places in the world, yours just come with inches on or possibly even just centimetres in other places. Um, it is handy having both of those. Also, I think most of mine have the metal section on the end so that the end of the tape measure doesn't get worn and you don't lose a little piece at the end when you are trying to um, measure and therefore are not as accurate <coughs> oh dear, excuse me. I've still got a slight cough, even if my voice is mainly back to normal. Um, but yes, sorry, going back to what I was saying about tape measures, you want to make sure that it's as accurate as possible and not losing that tiny little end section. However, just to say that if you are using a tape measure to check the patterns, the PDF patterns after you've printed, and they should have a measurement square, it is worth using slightly further in on your tape measure to measure perhaps starting at 10 and going from there rather than trying to start at the zero just in case it's not quite as accurate as usual. The other thing to say on that while I think about it is that many designers, or I've seen it in a couple of places, perhaps not many, might be a bit of an over-exaggeration, some designers will give you an inch square and also write on it that it's two and a half centimetres. Um, just to say that it's not exactly two and a half centimetres, it is 2.54 centimetres if it's an inch. So if you are measuring an inch square and measuring it in centimetres, it should be fractionally, very, very fractionally over the two and a half. So don't worry if it seems a tiny little bit bigger than two and a half, it should be because it should be 2.54 on my patterns, I actually do a um, two different 
um, squares, one for inches, one for centimetres, in order to make sure that you don't have that discrepancy there. So I've said that this is one of the key pieces of equipment that you actually need. So what are some of the things that you would need it for? Um, my main things for using it is to measure Bryony or myself or anybody else I'm making something for in order to get the measurements to know what size to make on a pattern. And this is crucial when using PDF patterns. Although many of the patterns will give you an age for the child wearing a particular item or some of the adult ones, it will give you a number for the size. Um, the sizing of adult clothes in America is completely different to the UK. I don't have much experience of the rest of the world, but I'm assuming that each country has its own way of measuring things and giving a number to what the measurements mean. In addition to that, each brand, um, High Street brand, has its own um, particular measuring chart. And it's why some of us get so that we have a particular brand that we like to buy from because we know that this particular size fits us. And so we know that if we go in and buy, I don't know, size 12 in this particular brand, then of trousers, then they're going to be the right waist, they're going to be the right length and all of those sorts of things. And it's because each brand has their own slight variation on measurements. So it would be impossible for a um, PDF pattern company to get measurements exactly the same as every other commercial um normal, you know, not sewing pattern company when you would ready-made clothes, that's the word I was looking for, ready-made items, it would be impossible. So it's really important that you check on each pattern the measurements against the measurements of the person in order to be able to determine the correct size to make. And you will gradually learn um, which pattern companies are the ones where you can go with this size or another pattern company might have to go with a different size. You will also discover those where the um, proportions measure up um, because obviously, particularly with women's patterns, they could be geared towards more of an hourglass figure or more of a rectangular shape figure. And you'll start to be able to say, ah, yes, well, on this pattern, my waist fits this size, whereas my hips fit this. And I'll have to do a full bust adjustment because my bust is larger um, and work out exactly how to get a pattern that fits you just as you want it to. And obviously, if you are making clothes for children, children have a habit of growing. So again, it's important to regularly measure children to see what size you would need to make. And particularly if you're going to be making something that's using your favourite fabric, your your custom cotton lycra that you have hoarded or something else um, where the fabric has cost a lot of money and you don't have very much of it, you want to make sure that you are getting the correct size straight away and not having a size that would be too small when you've finally made it. Um, if you are measuring yourself, it can be really useful to get a friend to do it because when you wrap the tape measure around yourself, it changes the angle that you might be standing at and you might be slightly um, hunched over or whatever and it can affect what the measurements are. There are some YouTube videos I remember seeing in the past um, that can explain the best way to measure yourself to avoid that. So obviously if you were to search for that, I'm sure that you'd be able to find people explaining that in more detail. Otherwise it can be really handy to just ask a friend. I 
have to say I don't tend to ask my husband as he is so awkward and clumsy that he would probably make a mistake in measuring more than if I just measured myself. Although having said that, I don't tend to make very many clothes for myself anyway, so it doesn't tend to be a problem. Most of the sewing that I do, I do for Bryony or other friends and things like that. I don't tend to do very much for myself. Also, if you have a tape measure or a particular brand that you would highly recommend, if you've tried ones that were rubbish or any other thing that you would like to add about measuring and measuring tapes, perhaps the weirdest place that you have ever found one of yours that it's ended up in, um, please feel free to add that into the comments at the bottom of the um, podcast blog post. I love reading what people have to say about the things they've been listening to. So it'd be great if you wanted to comment there or in the Bishy Barnababes Facebook group would also be great. So moving on to what I've been sewing, I would love to be able to say what I've been sewing recently in my sewing room. But as you've gathered, life has kind of meant I haven't really been sewing anything recently at all. So I'm going to talk instead about something that I sewed back in October. And it's the Bella Sunshine Designs Gabriella's Winter Coat. And I took part in the sew along from October the 10th to the 17th. It was great for me to take part in this sew along as it meant that I actually got my act together and made the coat. I find it's very easy to buy a pattern, even find the fabric and then sometimes it just sits there waiting to be made but I never actually get round to it. So joining a sew along for me means that I am motivated to keep up with the different steps, hoping that I might win a prize at the end and just actually getting finished. The pattern itself comes in sizes six months through to girls 12, which is great as I'm looking forward to making some more of these as Bryony gets older and grows out of the current one that I've made. It's a great pattern, very detailed. It has layers for printing, detailed illustrations, glossary of terms and loads of other things that would really help you to be able to make one of these coats. It's obviously not a beginner's pattern um, because there are some more complicated things that I know some beginners shy away from, particularly um, buttonholes. It's also a bagged coat, which means that you kind of make it together and turn it inside out and things. But again, there are lots of instructions to help you through that process. And if you're still having problems, then you can join the Bella Sunshine Designs Facebook group and there's always people on there willing to help. Or you could check back at the posts that were there for the um, so along itself and there's more information on those as well. The coat is a gorgeous design that has a stand-up collar and a pack sorry, a peplum swing back to it. It's probably the best way that I can think to describe it. So that when you look at the front, there's six buttons on the front and a very traditional style coat. And then when the child turns round, you get this lovely swing motion on the bottom part of the coat, which my daughter loves as she loves twirling and loves the fact that her coat will also twirl with her. 
I went to my local um, store and bought some wool for it. Um, it was actually really reasonable price wool. It's a lovely navy blue and has these these fine lines on it, kind of creating a kind of check pattern. It's difficult to describe, I'm sure, if you look at the photos that accompany the blog post for this um, podcast, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. Although having chosen this design of fabric, it did mean that I had to fussy cut the different pieces to try and make it symmetrical and get the lines to match up as much as possible. I then let Bryony choose the lining to go with it and she had a look through my drawer of um, random pieces of satin fabric and she chose herself a bright pink piece of fabric. It wouldn't have been the fabric that I would have necessarily thought of pairing with this lovely navy blue, but it looks fantastic with it. And I have to say, she's had so many compliments wearing it, and some of it has been this amazing colour of the lining that kind of shows through when when it's open or when she's twirling. Um, Consequently, when I went to select buttons to go with it, I wanted something that would coordinate with the lining as well as the main part of the fabric, and ended up selecting some fantastic pink dome buttons. Unfortunately, the buttons, the six buttons, cost nearly as much as what the fabric did that I had bought for the main part of the coat. I can't believe how expensive buttons seem to be, but they were perfect for it and really finished it off well. The construction of the coat was much easier than what I was initially expecting. I had recently made the other coat that is on a previous podcast with the bunny ears and this one seemed much more complicated as there was a lot more pieces but just following the steps through step by step it came together reasonably quickly. There are times when you are sewing through quite a few layers of fabric at a time and that can be more fiddly and difficult and as I said the whole bagging and things um, does require a little bit of kind of looking through and really thinking about how you need to do it. I was also in love with my new machine when it came to doing the buttonholes on it, as I think this was one of the first times that I had really put the buttonhole feature to use, and it was so much easier on my new Janome than on my previous Bonina or even on my very cheap um, Elna machine, and I realised how great it is to have a machine that will do a lot of the work for you, particularly for things like buttonholes. I have to say, overall, I really, really love this coat. Um, It's not been always warm enough for her to wear it because although it is wool and the satin lining, there have been times that it's not quite been warm enough and she's had to put on her really big thick winter coat. But whenever the weather allows on a Sunday, particularly for going to church, I will get her in this coat and just love the compliments and just how much I love seeing her in it. And it doesn't look homemade. I know that's perhaps a weird thing that I make all these clothes and then I'm really pleased that they don't look homemade. But it just looks so professional and I love the finish of it and how lovely she looks in it. My one thing I would say um, that I have learnt again from making this is that I don't like sewing with satin. It moves around so much every time I make something with satin and it's not very often. I think the last time was my bridesmaids dresses. Every time I make something with satin I say to myself I don't like sewing with satin and I'm not going to do that again. And then invariably, further down the line, something comes up that you would really like to make and you need to make it with satin and you find yourself doing it again. But there might be a gap now between when I have to use satin again and I'll have probably forgotten I've even said this and will approach it with optimism and enthusiasm and then decide again that I hate sewing with satin. 
Anyway, during the recording of this podcast, I did have to go and pick up my daughter from um, her forest school. So if there was a slight change in volume and everything else from just after I started talking about the um, Gabriella's winter coat pattern, it was because I suddenly realised I was running out of time and had to quickly stop the recording and go and pick my daughter up. It then meant that I had very little time to record again. So having started one week, it's about a week and a half later that I'm finally able to finish the recording. In the meantime, we have been on a homemade residential trip. We hired out the whole of a youth hostel and took all our children. We had about 10 families, all with children seven and under and it was amazing. The adults got to sit and chat and the children got to play with each other. We went to the beach in the rain and went swimming and did various other things together. But that was just a fantastic four days hanging out together. And also, we have now sold my house. Yay! We have finally got somebody who wants to buy it. They were the same people who had put an offer in previously, but whose house sale had fallen through. And they have now sold theirs and they have come back and we are now going through the process. Cross my fingers, pray, hope everything else, that it will all go through fine. So things are beginning to look up and are on the move. Well, hopefully we'll be on the move. Unfortunately, as yet, we haven't found our dream home as the ones that we wanted have fallen through. So we are now keeping our eyes out as to which house we can purchase. And obviously, my sewing room will be moving also. Anyway, this has perhaps hopefully been a bit of a choppy episode. Who knows, as I recorded the first part so long ago, I can't even remember what I was talking about um, without going back and looking at all my notes that I wrote down. But anyway, I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, Please, if you would love to leave any comments on iTunes, Also, if you subscribe, all of those help the podcast come up when people are searching for you. And of course, I'd love to see anything that you make with Bishy Barnabas patterns or even just coming and saying hello and things like that over in the Bishy Barnabas patterns Facebook group. And hopefully, like I always say, it won't be so long between episodes, but who knows, life could get in the way again. Anyway, take care and happy sewing in your sewing room or wherever else you do it. Until next time. Bye bye.